And now it's time for the ridiculous. <laughs> what kinds of things make people pissed? And how many suitors exactly has she dismissed? Siri, what are some locations for a lover's tryst? <laughs> oh, darling, surely there must be a list. A list. A list. A list. A list. You're telling me it's all here on this bleeding <laughs> list. It's preposterous and ludicrous. Well, actually, it's all quite ridiculous. Ridiculous. Welcome to The Ridiculous. I'm Sally Brooks. And I'm Jen O'Neill. And welcome back to another episode of Fun List. I don't know. I need to come up with a better thing to say in the beginning. Listen. Oh, we start all again. uh, You never came up with the groove. In 190 episodes of Dumb Love, you never came up with something that you loved. You were always surprised. (laughs) And I just think we're going to keep that going. Like, wait, what? We're recording? We have a podcast? This is the ridiculous. Um, yes, we're, we're recording a podcast. Um, <laughs> how are you? you? Just a Zoom chat. I am good. I, it's Friday. Um, as I like to annoy my friends by saying, it's Friday. I think yeah, that's-, that's annoying. And that definitely would have been on our <laughs> list of top annoying phrases. Yeah, had I, I said he- it. Had I heard you say that before? I said it once over polo to my friends Aaron and Grace, and not as like I wasn't saying it like I like oh I'm being funny. I just said it like totally like, hey it's Friday, and they just could not let it go. Like, okay, still think it is very funny, and I'm like, well, dude, I don't know why it came out of my mouth, but sometimes you know it's like <laughs> sometimes I'm just a basic B, Jen. Sometimes I say y'all and I don't know where that came from. <laughs> that isn't that uh, it's like every time I say it, like which doesn't happen very often, it just does not sound right coming out of my mouth and I'm like, I know. Oh, I'm sorry, that's it's wrong. I said it to a whole room full of like really important restaurant people this week. Uh-huh. I was doing a tasting with like this restaurant group and it's like all the best of the best. Yeah. restaurants and then I was leaving and I was like bye y'all thank you <laughs> thanks <laughs> let me pour some wine what and then as I was walking out I was like who what who said that who said it bye y'all bye thank y'all <laughs> I'll find myself doing like slipping into a little bit of like a southern accent on stage sometimes uh-huh. and I think because it's just like fun to do and so many you know I mean it's like so many people have obviously we live in the south so many people have southern accents here but it just is like everyone's fun and I'll be on stage like who the fuck is this well you got to lean into it now because like- now <laughs> There are a lot of comedians that have full on like accent, like heavy accents on stage that are not um, genuine real accents or I'll, I won't say the name of the person, but there's someone that has a very strong Chicago accent Uh yet grew up in the state of Georgia. (laughs) <laughs> There's no reason they should have an accent. They only have it on stage and not off stage. But that yeah. happens all the time. I think it's just because a lot of people are kind of playing into a a shtick or a role or whatever. Yeah. And sometimes the accent helps, you know? And sometimes the, I, I've always said I really wish that I had like a teeny tiny baby voice or something fun. Why? Or like a real husky Oh, voice. like on uh, – On stage. Yeah. 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 Oh, yeah. I'm like I, you need – like something like that just – adds to it it like it's some, makes it something different people love an, a voice and well, uh maybe we should try it next time I'm oh my stay. god <laughs> maybe we should uh, slap out a little baby voice and see what it does this is i'm gonna <laughs> i'm gonna do the husky voice <laughs> hey everybody it's me what's up there actually is one uh i got what's her name sam Holzman, I think is her name from Chicago. She yeah. did Red Clay Comedy Festival. Oh, she's yeah. got the best accent because she's like, she's so fucking funny because she looks like a supermodel. Yes. Like beautiful. Like, yes. Got the like long, thin, you know, supermodel body with those supermodel face. And then she gets on stage, you know, and she talks like this, guys. And she talks <laughs> about basketball. Like, I can't do it right. But yeah, yeah, um, yeah. look her up on her Instagram. It's so funny. She's so funny. And she's just like a beautiful enigma. 
I don't yeah, know how, I another way to say it. <laughs> that was – I mean, I remember standing in the back at, watching her at Red Clay. It was like a couple years ago, right? And watching her and right. being like, I wish I had that voice. <laughs> I wish I had that <laughs> voice. <laughs> just any voice. Just any voice. Um, well, Jen, let's get to the lists. All right. Let's do it. All right, y'all. Okay. I'm going first this week. Okay. Because it's my it's my week to go first. <laughs> okay, go for it. Okay. Oh, yours is so much cuter than mine. Mine sounds <laughs> like yours is, yours is really cute. Okay. Um this is an article or listicle, I should say, for BuzzFeed written by Lauren Garofano, and it is 15 celebrities who casually spilled about their experiences with other famous people and their stories are so wild. That's so, awesome. I'm glad you like it. I was a little yes. worried because you're not usually into the celebrity gossip as as am I. I am I, very I'm much into celebrity into gossip. Okay. I'm into okay, celebrity gossip. I'm not above it. I just don't I like the gossip, Jen. I just you, don't watch the shows. Okay. So I you may just need a little context. Like, you want it to be spoon fed for you. Well, none of these have to do with reality shows. Great. Well, so then. yeah, these are all famous people <laughs> that you should know. Jen, you think too highly of me. <laughs> <laughs> You're the highbrow one. I'm the piece of shit. Okay. Number one, in his memoir, Me, by Elton John recalled the time that he and John Lennon were – De, quote unquote, uh, determinedly making their way through a pile of coke when Andy Warhol knocked on the door. Elton wrote that he peered through the peephole and saw Andy with his Polaroid camera. When he asked John if he should open the door, John said, no fucking way. Don't answer it. Do you want him come in here and taking photos of you while you've got icicles of coke hanging out of your nose? So they both hid until Andy left. That's pretty funny. funny. <laughs> yeah. What a like just crazy piece of history you know I know like a, to be a fly on the wall when that right? happened yeah and you could be so fucking cool you could be Andy Warhol yeah and still like, be in the position to where people are like don't let him in yeah <laughs> guys guys I got my camera <laughs> come on you guys come on guys I'll paint you like four of you in different colors <laughs> what are you guys saying <laughs> Um, okay, this one's really interesting, I thought. Okay, in his book, Friends, Lovers, and the Big Terrible Thing, Matthew Perry wrote about falling in love with Julia Roberts, but ultimately breaking up with her because he couldn't handle the pressure. Do you remember that? I don't but think I remember together? them dating. I don't remember that. I remember when she dated Benjamin Bratt for a long time and Lyle Lovett. Oh, right. She's married yeah. to Lyle Lovett, I think. She was, Yeah. Um, he said, I did let her in both figuratively and literally, and a relationship began. It was like she was placed on this planet to wake, make the world smile. And now in particular, me, I was grinning like some 15-year-old on his first date. Dating Julie Roberts had been too much for me. I had been constantly certain that she was going to break up with me. Why would she mm. not? I was not enough. I could never be enough. I was broken, bent, unlovable. So instead of facing the inevitable agony of losing her, I broke up with this the beautiful and brilliant Julia Roberts. Woof! That's mm. some uh, yeah. That's that's some overwritten bullshit. <laughs> Oh, you think he was actually being a dickhead and then he was like, but it was because she was so beautiful. She was too I, much for me. <laughs> I can see that being true. Sometimes a woman is too much for someone. Just saying. Woman, well, I mean, maybe it's not she's too much. Maybe he's just not enough. I mean. That's what I, I mean. I, she yeah. shouldn't have to apologize by any means for being Julie Roberts. Right. It was he wasn't man enough to be with Julie Roberts. Yeah. No, I just think it's a very dramatic way of writing that. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I to didn't make, remember they were together. I don't remember that either. Here's another Friends-related uh, story. Number three, in his memoir, Spare, Prince Harry recounted the time he tripped on shrooms at Courtney Cox's house. As a self-proclaimed Friends fanatic, he shared that he was thrilled when he found himself at Courtney's house while party hopping with friends and needed a place to spend the night. 
Courtney, who was supposed to be traveling at the time, didn't mind if they crashed at her place, but then Courtney returned early and kept the party going by inviting a few more famous friends, including Will Arnett. Uh, He said, then maybe to get rid of us, Will led my mate and me to the fridge, which he had extracted, from which he had extracted a soft drink. While the door was open, we spotted a huge box of black diamond mushroom chocolates. (laughs) Harry wrote... Somebody behind me said that they were for everyone. Help yourself, boys. My mate and I grabbed several, gobbled them, washed them down with tequila. Shortly after, the mushrooms kicked in, and he recalled seeing monsters. What? And they're worried about (laughs) Megan being a bad influence on the Royals? Harry's fucking doing mushrooms with the cast of Friends and Will Arnett. What is happening here? I mean... Do you follow the Royals? I don't. I don't. Yeah, okay. no. I'm not super interested. <laughs> I'm not either, but maybe I need to like rethink this. Harry seems like a crazy time. But I mean, <laughs> I'm really blown away by this. I didn't I had no idea that he like partied with his mates and did mushrooms and Hollywood and and like they're worried about Megan being a problem. Yeah. Right? Isn't right. that the gist of the whole thing? Is that yeah, Megan yeah, that like, they don't like that she's oh, the bad wow. influence on him? Boys will be boys, right? Boys will be boys. Oh, my God. Number four. In his memoir, Page Boy, Elliot Page wrote about his secret relationship with Kate Mara, which happened at the time that she was dating the actor Max Mengele. I don't even know who that is. He wrote, the first person I fell for after my heart was broken was Kate Mara. Elliot recalled seeing Kate at a party where she started flirting with him, but he could never imagine Kate Mara would want him. And then weeks later, he attended a party at Kate and Max's home where she openly flirted with Elliot and Max stood by, not giving it a second look. I cannot stop thinking about her. I was a goner. He wrote after adding that the couple had gone on several dates. But while he was falling, he knew he was setting himself up for heartbreak because Kate was still with Max. Everything with Kate was becoming more complicated, more loaded. I was left feeling down. Perhaps the excitement no longer outweighed the challenges, he added. I was chasing something that could not be, just letting something overwhelm me. (sighs) Well, that's interesting. But I mean, yeah, that's kind of what happens when you get in relationships with people that are in relationships. Right. (laughs) You know? What do you expect? Uh, I kind of thought like when you were like, this is going to be – people accidentally spilled like braggy humble bragging well i thought maybe it'd be like somewhat like a a famous person was like drunk at a bar and accidentally told like some stranger like oh my god did you know that i'm with whatever whatever or um but this feels like less accidental and more like they wrote books about it yeah these are all books (laughs) everyone has a memoir everyone does yeah in her memoir Sorry, not sorry, which mm. was one of those phrases I did not like. Yep. Uh, dreams, mistakes, and growing up. Naya Rivera opened up about not getting along with her Glee co-star, Leah Michelle. Um, she said, I don't hate Leah, and I never have. I think Rachel, um, I mean Leah, didn't like sharing the spotlight. She had a hard time separating work from our outside friendship, whereas it was a lot easier for me. I'm not offended when people offer feedback or criticism, and if things get heated on set, I try to keep perspective. Leah was a lot more sensitive, though, and it, sometimes it seemed like she blamed me for anything and everything that went wrong. I mean, I've heard many people say that she was difficult. To yeah. work with. Yeah, I think that's like pretty much a consensus. Yeah. <laughs> that, and that she was awful. Yeah, and she's an incredible talent, but you really don't see her doing that much these days, I don't think. Yeah. I think it's because of her reputation. Yeah. That's, I mean. Yes, guys. You never know. You never yeah. know who's going to be your next co-star, your next boss, your next. Just, yeah, I mean, just be nice in general, but. Yeah. I mean. Mm-hmm. In the comedy world, we've met so many people that when you meet them, they start out and they're brand new comedians and you're Mm -hmm. like, oh, hey. And then within a year, that power dynamic can totally shift. And then that person that you were dismissive to is now, you know, uh, flying on private jets. You know what I mean? You just never know. (laughs) So it's like being – don't be a dick to people. Yeah. Uh, this one was interesting. In her memoir, The Princess Diarist, 
Uh, Carrie Fisher revealed that she had an affair with Harrison Ford while filming their first Star Wars movie in the 70s. At the time, she was 19 and he was 33 and married with two kids. Oh, Harrison, mm. come on. Yeah. I really wanted to like him. Yeah. I mean, Man. I do like him. It was the 70s, know. you know. Yeah, come on. <laughs> boys will be boys. Boys will be boys. <laughs> Um, but she said the, uh, she recalled the first time they slept together was after George Lucas's 32nd birthday in his studio car on their way back to London. She said a tug of war involving my wine Southern virtue was underway, but I was unclear how it would turn out, but I realized it was who I wanted to win. My co-star, the one with the scar on his chin, the dialogue in his head and the gun in his belt. Not now, just in character, but still. After a mad scuffle, Mr. Ford threw my virtue and me into the backseat of his studio car and commanded the driver to go, go. And we went, followed by the crew. Uh, She said, Harrison made me feel nervous. I got tongue-tied in his company and clumsy. I was with him when we worked together and tried to avoid him otherwise so as not to annoy him. I mean, I can only imagine a 30-year-old Harrison Ford, how hot he was. Yeah, he's pretty cute. I have to say, because there's a picture of him here with her. And yeah, he's really cute. But I have to say, older Harrison Ford is hotter. Ah, okay. Some men just age really gracefully, you know? Yeah. Like some men just, it's unfair. That salt and pepper hair just Mm -hmm. makes them so much hotter. Yeah. And salt and pepper hair on a woman can be hot, but I don't think men see it that way. No, I think women I, find other women hot with gray hair, but I don't know if men do. I agree. Yeah, I've like you really. Know? I maybe it's just because of like my age now that like a lot of women around me are just letting their hair be natural and like growing out their gray. And I, I always think it's like so beautiful when people do me it. Too. Like, and I'm like, oh, I should do. Maybe I should do that. I know, <laughs> but I'm not gonna. <laughs> But maybe I should say one of these days I will. In her memoir, Love Pamela, a memoir of prose, poetry, and truth, Pamela Anderson recalled a night when she stumbled upon Jack Nicholson having a threesome in a bathroom at the Playboy Mansion. Are we surprised? She added that she believed she helped him finish. What? She said, uh, oh. Mr. Nicholson had two beautiful women with him. They were all giggling and kissing up against the wall, sliding all over each other. I walked by to use the mirror, bending over the sink to fix my lip gloss, trying not to look, but I couldn't help myself and caught his eye in the reflection. I guess that got him to the finish line because he made a funny noise, smiled and said, thanks, dear. <laughs> That's crazy. That's nuts. <laughs> None of that surprises me, though. Did you watch the Pamela Anderson documentary? No. It's really good. Yeah. Yeah, and it really makes you love her. Yeah. D- does she write poetry? I Yeah, she does write poetry. All right. I always kind of like Pamela Anderson. She's like one of those, you know, it's like she's so dismissed. And like she's- as a sex symbol and a dumb blonde that I just am like... You know, she says staying power. She's got to be way smarter than she is. She's very intelligent and she's very sweet. And really like the only the thing that she wants more than anything in life is just like to love and be loved. She's just like all about love. Mm -hmm. And, you know, unfortunately, she keeps finding herself in these positions where she's taken advantage of. And, right. You know, uh, but she still like keeps a very optimistic, hopeful, open heart. And I think that's really endearing about her. So right. watch it. It's really good. Also great boobs. Great Fantastic. Boobs. <laughs> good job on those boobs. <laughs> this one's crazy. Um, in his memoir, Trejo, My Life of Crime, Redemption, and Hollywood, Danny Tre- – is it Trejo or Tre- – I think Tre- Trejo. Danny Trejo um, revealed that he – uh, met the infamous Charles Manson in prison and got hypnotized by him. Oh. Crazy. Back in 1961, when Danny was only 17, he was arrested and brought to the Los Angeles County Jail, where Manson was also being held. He shared that in exchange for protection, Manson told his jailmates that he would take him through a guided meditation that would get him high without using any drugs. Um, he wrote, even before I faked 
fixed. I could taste it in my mouth. Any junkie knows what that is like. By the time he described it hitting my bloodstream, I felt the warmth flowing through my body. So they sat down, closed their eyes, and the meditation began. For 15 minutes in great deal, he walked us through the process of uh, copying the dope, finding a place to fix, cooking the heroin in a spoon, drawing it into a needle and sticking it in our veins. Danny, who's been sober since 1969, ended with, if that white boy wasn't a career criminal, he could have been a professional hypnotist. Crazy. That's, that's wild. That's the kind of story I want. Like that yeah. is really interesting and something like, I mean, not that I know all that much about Charles Manson, but like, like what a crazy coincidence, you know, that their paths crossed and then that that, yeah. that happened. Like that's and nuts. Like, I mean, we already knew how powerful his like persuasion was, obviously, right. after having, you know, organizing a cult and getting them to murder people. But it's, um, but it's just wild that he's so, yeah, that he could be so persuasive as a hypnotist to really make a drug addict feel like they are doing drugs without doing drugs. Yeah, that is yeah, so. That's crazy. Ugh, he scares me. He scares me. That tells me. <laughs> I, I do not like him. You know what? I don't, I don't think we should hang out with him. <laughs> That's a no from me. <laughs> I finally made up my mind. You know what? <laughs> That's where I draw the line. <laughs> yeah. Don't. Mm-mm. Uh, in his That's book, well. <laughs> that is the devil's work. Um, in his book, Will, Will Smith shared that because of his method acting for six degrees of separation, he actually fell in love with his co-star, Stockard Channing. At the time, he had just welcomed a new baby with his then wife, Cherie Zampino. Um, he wrote, Cherie and I were in the first few months of our marriage with a brand new baby and, and for Cherie, I can imagine that this experience was unsettling to say the least. She married a guy named Will Smith, and now she was living with a guy named Paul Poitier. And to make matters worse, during shooting, I fell in love with Stockard Channing. Like, does he mean that literally or just like, I oh, guess that's how that's how method I am that I. I don't know. I think this is one of those. Uh, uh, he said, I was like, oh no, what have I done? This was my last experience with method acting. When you're reprogramming your mind, you're actually playing around with your psychology. You teach yourself to like things and to dislike things. It's a really dangerous place when you get good at it. But once I had that experience, I was like, no more method acting. For six degrees, I wanted to perform perform well so badly that I spent, that I was spending six and seven and eight days in character before shooting and you have to be careful with that um this sounds a little to me like he's trying to act like he was just so good <laughs> as an actor you know yeah yeah he yeah. almost blew up his whole marriage and like i mean I don't know. Oh, this one is a little juicy. In her memoir, Melissa explains it all. Melissa Joan Hart revealed that while she was on Sabrina the Teenage Witch, she was also experimenting with drugs in real life, and some were even offered to her by Paris Hilton. She wrote, the first time I was offered Coke, which happened to be by Paris Hilton, I turned it down. So that's not the first time you did Coke. That was just a name drop. meet her didn't she come to one of your comedy shows i in did nashville? yeah I, I met her in nashville she lives there and uh she is worked with bobcat goldthwaite who i was opening for on right um some project and she she brought a bunch of friends they came backstage we met we took pictures it was great she talked about she laughed i had a joke about life a lifetime movie and she was like oh my gosh i loved that joke because she writes and acts in a ton of Lifetime movies. Oh, right. Well, the <laughs> next great. time you see her, I'm going to need you to ask her when the real time she did. Yeah. Real first time was she did drugs. <laughs> now we know it wasn't with Paris Hilton. What? Anyway. Uh, <laughs> also, it doesn't it seem – I don't know how old Paris Hilton is, but I do not put them in the same age bracket. Paris Hilton and I Melissa, think Melissa Joan Hart. Jo- I think there's probably maybe like an eight-year age difference. Like Paris Hilton is eight years younger? Yeah, maybe five to eight years younger. And I'm like, do you want me to Google she... it really quick? I do want to Google. Us? And then okay. also, well, like, how old was 
Melissa Joan Hart when she was on Sabrina. Okay, do you want to know? Okay, she's 47 okay. years old. Okay, that's what and I... Paris Hilton is 42. So there's a five-year age difference. So that makes sense. Okay. You know? Yeah. It just seems like such a weird... Melissa Joan Hart just... I mean, I know she wasn't like a wholesome whatever, but like it seems like she was because of the TV show she was in. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> And then Paris Hilton seems like from trash reality, you know, like she was the beginning of all of that. Right. Well, Paris Hilton probably has a book too that you can read. Oh, yeah. If you need more clarification. This one, okay, I actually read this book and I think I talked about this on Dumb Love um, and it made me love Jessica Simpson. Oh, Uh, yeah, you did talk about that. In her, uh, so this one says, in her memoir, Open Book, Jessica Simpson revealed that she had an emotional affair with Johnny Knoxville that started on the set of Dukes of Hazard. At the time, Jessica was married to Nick Lachey and Johnny was married to Melanie Lynn Clapp. Um, she wrote, Sigh, Johnny, the boy from Tennessee, as I quoted him in my diary. First off, we were both married, so it wasn't going to get physical, but to me, an emotional affair was worse than a physical one. She explained Mm. that Johnny was one of the people that she could be her deepest authentic self with and that he laughed with her instead of at her, laughed with her instead of at her. She even admitted to writing him love letters while her husband Nick was passed out in the bed next to her. She said, we wrote these flowery love letters back and forth often at night and Nick passed out on the bed next to me. We talked about music and I would listen to the Johnny Cash songs he suggested just to feel like we were still together. That is an wow. affair. That's a that heavy affair. That is an affair. I was going to say that's that. And I, it makes me laugh that she was like, I coded him as the boy from Tennessee in my diary as if <laughs> like Nick would read it and be like, Nothing to see here. <laughs> yes, like, exactly. You're still gonna wonder. It's <laughs> still, you're still talking about doing the things with a person. Uh, I know. That's crazy. Yeah, I'm not that surprised by that. Honestly, it does sound crazy, but I can see like how Johnny Knoxville could be kind of um, oh, you know, sure. charismatic and yeah, yeah. And he's so different than Nick Lachey. Yeah, and, you know what I mean. And um, I uh. I could I could see how that happened. Yeah. The real juicy stuff in that book is the stuff that goes down with her and um, John Mayer. And I'll tell oh. you what, it'll make you hate him forever. Just like leave Jessica alone, John Mayer. Just move on with your life. Leave Seriously. Her. I know. He just kind of tortured her as far as like the in and out and in and out. And then one mm. day when she was in a relationship and happy, he would come running back and then pull her out of it. And then when she would then like be, okay, I'm going to be with you, then he'd leave her again. Just like yeah. that real fucking mm-hmm. narcissistic, terrible shit where like, you know, that's when she dyed her hair dark and she dyed it dark because he told her to. And like you could, she was just stuck in a real bad place with that guy. And I'm just so glad that she got out of it. Yeah. One of the most dickhead things that he said in that, well, she said that he said in that book, actually, I think I've read that he said this publicly is he said that he gets all of his best um, songwriting material out of heartbreak. So he likes to like, you know, keep himself in these whirlwind crazy uh, roller coaster relationships so that he can, you know, derive music from it. And I just think it's like cool for you, but that sucks for the other person on the other. Right. But those are real people. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think he, I mean, he seems like a shithead. And there's been like, you know, I think enough women have confirmed that view. Yeah. 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 Plus, like, he's just that. Like, if anything made me hate him the most was when he tried to do stand-up. <laughs> I just hate when yeah. celebrities are like, I'm going to do – I could do stand-up. I could totally do it. I mean, I'm a singer. I'm going to get out there. And it's like nothing's more humbling than, like, somebody who is like, never done comedy thinking they can get up on a stage in front of people and do stand-up. It's so great. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay. This is the last one. And this is kind of – shocking and will change your view of this movie okay Um, but finally in her book my lucky stars a hollywood memoir shirley mclean wrote about the difficulty she endured while working with deborah winger on the set of terms of endearment 
She wrote of an instance where Deborah told her where placement marks were so she knew where to stand during a scene. A little annoyed, Shirley responded by saying, I heard you. I know marks when I see them. Shirley said Deborah responded, good. How's this for a mark? And then turned around, walked away from me, lifted her skirt slightly, looked over her shoulder, bent over, and farted in my face. terms of endearment and no. dying daughter and Shirley MacLaine, you know what I mean? That the, the, there was like face farting right. going on behind the scenes. I just thought that was funny. Uh, that's a great one. And that's I my like list. It. I like it. I like the celebrity gas. Good. To it. Good, I good. actually had a, was going to do a list that was fairly similar where it was people, but it was actually a reality show contestants dish about their reality shows and maybe i'll do that another time but i think Ooh, it's too similar yeah. from this week okay, um, yeah i want to hear that yeah because you know i'll know who all of those people are yeah <laughs> um but for this week i have a list from also from buzzfeed this is by hannah Debrovas. Um, and it is a throwback to dumb love. It is people are dishing about the tackiest things they've witnessed at weddings, and it's a whole lot of drama. Oh, yeah. (laughs) That is the whole headline. Okay. Um, So instead of throwing rice or confetti or sprinkles or anything like that, the bride and groom asked their friends to save all their empty jewel pods and throw those as they walked down the aisle. The friends obliged. Oh, my God. (laughs) Which sounds painful. It does sound painful. And that but that is by far the trashiest thing I think you can think of to throw. At a wedding. Yeah, right? they nailed Dirty it. Dirty underwear. Okay. <laughs> yeah, like pictures of naked pictures of yeah. the bride and groom. I don't know. Um, okay, so my cousin's wedding featured the groom driving a small tractor around the outdoor venue while the bride rode on the back to the tune of She Thinks My Tractor's Sexy. <laughs> For about on repeat for about 30 minutes after their <gasps> vows. The guests just hung out and waited, thinking it would be a quick jaunt, and then they could enjoy some refreshments and food. Nope, it took like half an hour to make sure they got good pictures and videos. Then it took even more time to get them pictures of sitting stationary on the tractor. It was blazing hot with no canopy or cover. I was very oh, pregnant. No. So I was especially miserable. He's not even a farmer. They live in an apartment. <laughs> Oh my <laughs> Which god! Which is my favorite part of that. It's like he's not even a farmer. <laughs> that whole like I, the trashiest part is making your guests wait in the sun with no covering or canopy yes. for thirty plus minutes. Yes, or it sounds like it was longer than that. Yeah, like that's the trashy part. I agree. Get a, get a tractor if a tractor makes you happy on your wedding day. That's yeah, fine. if she thinks your but, tractor's sexy, go for it. Yeah, but like, yeah, I, I am, I. You cannot make your guests wait around while you do a thing. Like, you give them a drink. You give them yes. some finger food. I don't care how long. You then you can take all your time you want with your pictures. Go for yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> like, but don't make me stand around and watch you. Um, okay, so the pastor stopped several, that's in all caps, several times throughout the wedding ceremony to tell the bride how beautiful and sexy looked, how if he was young and unmarried. uh, Oh my God, that is trashy. Yes. Yes, that's so trashy. Um, Okay. The couple saved their first kiss for marriage. And when the officiant said, you may now kiss the bride, they stopped the ceremony and made a video blog at the altar about how they just got married and were going to kiss for the first time. Cringe. Oh, like like to put on TikTok <laughs> or something? I assume. Oh. I assume. Mm-hmm. No, thank Social you. Social media makes people do some real, real trashy things. Okay. So the groom had been drinking way before the wedding even started, and he was totally out of it by reception time. He grabbed the mic from the DJ and proceeded to rant, mostly incoherently, for about 20 minutes on the dance floor. He would occasionally shout, it's my wedding, I can make a speech if I want, in between berating his wife and saying what a downer marriage was. It got so cringy that the DJ finally had to wrestle the mic away from him and make him sit down at the table 
next to his new wife. No way. I know. Annulment. Oh, yeah. Like immediately. Instant. I'm getting up from that table and saying, sorry, everybody. I take it back. (laughs) I take it back. Everybody grab your presents from the table. Yep. Take it with you. (laughs) Oh, my God. You guys were here. I don't. I'm going to guess that you didn't do the like the garter toss at your wedding. No. <laughs> I wish I wish you had said yes. <laughs> no, I didn't. It would have been a huge surprise. Um but I know no. it is very popular and it's very traditional in some people's weddings, but um at my cousin's weddings they did the thing where the groom removes the bride's garter and tosses it to all the single guys. I guess none of the guys wanted to be the next to get married because once the groom tossed the garter, no one grabbed it. It just landed on the feet, on the ground a few feet in front of a crowd of motionless guys. The groom tossed the garter three times before one guy half-heartedly picked it up off the ground. The bride wouldn't look at any of those guys for the rest of the night. Oh my God. And that's why you don't do it. Exactly. That's why you don't do it. I always uh, just think it's gross when like people get like <laughs> like so into it when it's like grandma's <laughs> in the corner, grandpa's over there, great grandpa's over there, and like the guy will like rip it off with his teeth and stuff. I don't know. Yes. It's just like come on. It's so it's, it's weird. so cringy. Yeah. <laughs> so cringy. Um Okay, so most memorable, the bridal dance song was Eric Clapton's Cocaine. The marriage ended in divorce. <laughs> The marriage ended in divorce. Coming in at second place, the bride's parents were ballroom dancers and not very good. They made sure they were the only dancers on the floor for over half an hour. People were polite for the first song, but when they finally gave up, no one was watching. What if it was supposed to be you look wonderful tonight and the DJ just fucked up? How do you dance to it? I don't know. I think the DJ made a mistake. That's funny. Okay, so you know how, I mean, anybody who listened to Dumb Love, they they know that we are um, 100% in favor of an open bar at a wedding. Some of some sort. Some kind of, or even Mm -hmm. if it's a cash bar, great. Just have a bar. Yeah. So this one is maybe why people don't do it. So the bride's family paid for an open bar. At the end of the evening, the groom's family ordered and loaded up trays of drinks to take to their rooms to party. It was so egregious that the bar manager asked the bride's father if it was okay since they were paying by the drink. He just shrugged and said yes. Fortunately, he could afford it. Wow, that is tacky tacky. as fuck. (laughs) Oh my God, they must have been young. Don't you think? Doesn't that sound like something like a 21-year-old couple friends would do? Yeah. That kind of party? It does, yes. I remember, you know, right after I graduated from college, there were like maybe four or five weddings that summer. And they were all, like when I think back on how people acted at those weddings, yeah, it's- it's d- disappointing. <laughs> and it must yeah. have been, I mean, it's, it's like those people were not old enough to get married. <laughs> but my the way sis- their friends were asking, act- acting, sorry. Yeah. My sister yeah. got married at 23 and it was a party and it was yeah. a late night party that like went on into like the morning. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, because then it went to everybody else's house and like, and that's just the way that people partied back then. Yeah. And, um, you know, that marriage didn't work out. <laughs> I remember being Sadly. at my, my friend Hadley's wedding and their her marriage is very still going strong. They're like the cutest couple. They were high school sweethearts and are like still like madly in love. Um, but at her wedding, um, I was one of the bridesmaids and I went at the end of the night to go grab my um, my flowers and there were like two flowers just like sitting on the table together and I like went to grab it and my friend uh, Mandy was like, oh, no, 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 no. Her husband had puked on the table and then oh! just taken the flowers and covered it. Oh, no. Oh, <laughs> Instead no, of like no, cleaning no. it. <laughs> just covered it with the two bouquets. Oh, it was oh just God. a disaster. <laughs> oh, did you put your hands in it? <laughs> no, I was oh, like just God. going to grab it. Yes, no. Oh, God. <sighs> wow. <laughs> <laughs> 
So that's my list. That's oh, my list. Love it. That was a good list. Yeah. Old school. All right. Well, now it is time for our top five list top of the week. Five this of the week. Okay. Um, this week, our top fives are top five 80s, 90s sitcoms. This was a hard list to make. I know. I like, I, I threw this idea out like all like whatever, you know? Yeah. And then when I actually sat down to make the list, I was like, how do I choose? I don't there feel just confident. so many about any of these choices. Like okay. some of them I'm just like, oh, I think some of them are just ones that I loved as a kid. Right. And then some of them I think are legitimately stand up. Okay. I think mine go from like a, a little bit of both, I guess. Just ones yeah. that I really loved as a kid. And then like what I truly like watched over and over and over and yeah. over and over again and can't couldn't get enough of. Because okay. there are some that I was just like, Oh, I when I watched those as a kid, I loved them so much, but I like haven't revisited them, and so I'm like, I don't know. It was just it just because, like, was Who's the Boss great? Because we all watched um, it because there Tony? were only four channels. <laughs> Angela, <laughs> Mona, Angela, Tony. <laughs> I mean, who didn't Samantha. want to be Samantha? <laughs> who didn't want to be Sam? Come on. Oh, I mean, she was every boy's oh, first crush. Yeah. Alyssa Milano. She, I mean. Coolest. Yeah. I know. I know. Um, okay. Yeah, I know. That is, okay. Let's. I guess let's just dive into it. And if it yep. takes us on a weird journey, it'll take us on a weird journey. Let's just okay. go. Okay. You want to okay, go so, first? Yeah. My first one is just one that is 100% nostalgia because it was like – I wanted to be her so bad, and it was Punky Brewster. <gasps> I didn't even think of that one. Yeah. I loved Punky Brewster. Everybody used to always tell me growing up that, like, I was, oh, you're like Punky Brewster because I wore something just a little bit weird. Right. You know, like, I wasn't even weird. <laughs> but they're like, she's a real Punky Brewster, that one, because I wore, like, maybe purple sneakers, you know? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you crazy. Yeah. I know. It's like oh, when I went to college in Indiana, like in the middle of cornfields, and I had like people were like, "Oh, you're so alternative," because I had, like two earring holes. Oh my god, <laughs> you're wild. And I listened to ska music. <laughs> See, now I'm I'm second guessing my list, but okay, my next one is, uh, or my first one is, um, uh, and this is a spinoff of a show. Mm-hmm. Is um just the ten of us? Oh, Do you remember that show? that show? I oh totally my god! Didn't even I forgot about it. There were like it. three girls, like it was because it was ten kids, but the three yeah. older girls were so fucking cool to me that yeah. I just wanted to be them. Yes, uh, I loved that show. Yeah, Coach Lubbock was the name of the guy. And he Coach Lubbock, I think, was from Growing Pains, and then just the ten of us is a spinoff of Growing Pains. Right? Yeah. Am, I, am I remembering this wrong? Okay. It might I be. I didn't remember that, but, but like. Okay. Um, yeah. I loved that show. I totally forgot uh, about that yeah. show. Okay. So the next one uh, is Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. That's me. a good one. And I almost put that on my list. But I yeah. Didn't. Yeah. I, I think it was I think it was legitimately a good show. Who's your <laughs> favorite? Aunt Viv. Aunt Viv 1 or Aunt Viv 2? No, I liked Aunt Viv 1 the most. Okay. <laughs> And Viv won, there was a scene where she was in a dance class and they thought that, you know, she was going into the dance class as like an older woman and yeah. amongst all these like young whatever. And they were like, you know, can keep up grandma. And then Aunt Viv one did, did the most like amazing in your face dance routine and then yes. and showed everybody up. And I was like, oh, I fucking love her. I remember that. that. Cool I remember that and yeah. being like. Oh, she's got muscles. Yeah, she was ripped. <laughs> she was cut. You know what's funny is that we're calling her like Aunt Viv when going into like, you know, into that class as an older person. She was probably like 35 on that show. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> she's like us going to our dance class. <laughs> I know. 
No, we're older than Aunt Viv. No, um, I know. We're like, okay. we are the grandmas. Yeah. Um, okay. My number two is actually Who's the Boss? I oh, love yes, I did boss. too. Yeah, that was just like yeah. a, a random thing to throw out. But I was like, I loved it. I did love it. I watched every single episode. But I think I watched every single episode of every sitcom. I think I just really loved, I mean, I mean, how do you not love Tony Danza? I know. You know? I mean, I, I liked. love him. I love Tony. I loved Samantha. I mean, I even loved Angela. I liked the whole thing. Mona, I mean, it's great. Yeah, they were great. And, and I, I think it was the just kid one, was. Yeah. <laughs> Jonathan? Jonathan. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think it was um, just maybe one of the first times you really saw, like, you know, a macho man being very, like, like like a homemaker and loving yeah. and endearing and sweet and, and a caretaker. And I thought that was really sweet. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh. I liked it. Now you made it seem important. It is important. Who's <laughs> a <Okay>. boss? <laughs> My next one is The Wonder Years. Okay. Yeah, that's a good one. That yeah. is a good one. Okay. My number three is A Different World, which was oh, also good. a spinoff. It was it a was, spinoff. It was uh, – I just loved that show and I loved Whitley so yes. much. I just thought she was like the most beautiful creature and also just so fucking entertaining and cool. Yeah. I just loved oh, it. It was yeah. so good. It was funny because I, I mean I think if I was actually ranking things in terms of like what was most impactful in my childhood, I would say Cosby Show. But um, I think, you know, you can't say that anymore. <laughs> I know. I struggled with that. I was like, I really want to say Cosby Show because I loved it so much, but Mm -hmm. I just, uh, but I I won't. It's stricken from the record. It's stricken. It's stricken. But we can put a different world in there. (laughs) That's a a great one. That's a great one. We sure can. Okay. So then my next one is Golden Girls. Oh, yeah. That's good. I don't, you know, I didn't like, it's funny because I was on the Golden Girls show that, that the Wussy Magazine and yeah, I played Betty White, and I had a great time, and I like mm-hmm. Golden Girls, but I'm not. I've, I don't like love it as much as everybody else does. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's good. That's fine. That's good. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, my number four, uh, which I feel like people are going to expect this to be number one, and a lot of people would argue that it should be number one, mm. and it's up there. It's really high up there. Uh, but it's not my number one is Seinfeld. Oh, okay. Yeah. Like, uh, I mean, you just really can't go wrong with Seinfeld. It's the ultimate like comfort show. Yeah. And um, so the first of its kind mm-hmm. and, um, and just, I mean, what can you even say? What can you even say? What can you say? Uh, I mean, it's not even on my list, but I did. What is the deal with that? (laughs) (laughs) I did watch it and love it, but I wasn't a fanatic. Like, I'm definitely not somebody who can quote it. And oh, really? Mm -mm. Yeah, I'm just like, I liked it. I liked it. You know what? I do love it and can quote it. But when guys quote it on dates, it drives me crazy. Uh, that's I think that's maybe why I like <laughs> it's like because every guy was such a quote machine of Seinfeld for so long that I just yeah. like turned me off. <laughs> I can uh, see that. <laughs> um, and then my number one is Cheers. Oh yeah, Cheers is great. Yeah, Cheers is a really good one. Mm-hmm. Um, I love that. I loved. Uh, what's his name? Sam Malone. Ted Danson. Ted Danson. Thank you. Ted Danson. <laughs> I love Thank him you. in everything. Yes. He's so good. I love him. Um, okay. And my last and final and top most loved sitcom ever was News Radio. <gasps> I did I love loved News Radio. News too. Radio so much. And I'm in like, well, you know, I definitely miss um phil hartman yeah that was like my favorite part of the show is phil hartman he was like at his best in that show but i also and i'm so so embarrassed to admit this but it um i had a huge i had a huge (laughs) joe rogan crush a news radio joe rogan yeah boy did he change (laughs) 
boy. He is not the same Joe Rogan <laughs> that he was. But when during news radio days, I was in love with him. I thought he was just like the cutest, littlest, funniest guy. Also yeah. ripped, but I'll, but just so sweet and, and I just thought he was so endearing and I thought he was so funny and cute. And so um I loved him, but then he just really just <laughs> just took a couple crazy turns. Took a turn. <laughs> he took a crazy turn. Not I so have much. I have such a memory, like clear memory of where I was. I was like in a dollar store getting something for when I was I was like getting ready to go to college and on the radio in the dollar store they announced that Phil Hartman was dead. Oh god. And I just remember like stopping because it was like in that time like every it was like everybody of around our age everybody watched SNL like religiously. Yeah. You always I watched it every week growing up and I just remember just crying in the store and everybody was like stopped and like shocked and yeah, it was crazy. It was just the most shocking. Yeah. It was such a horrible, shocking death. Right. And just just way too young and so tragic. And God, he was so beloved. Anyway, so that's my list. But I feel like there's probably stuff. Like I did want to put things on there like Clarissa Explains It All. Mm-hmm. Speaking of Melissa Joan Hart. And um, yeah, I think that you know, between that and Punky Brewster were kind of like – I was deciding between the two, but Punky Brewster was on when I was younger and more impressionable. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I wanted to be Clarissa so much. You kind of look like her. Thank you. I wanted all of her Mm -hmm. things. I wanted to dress like her. I wanted to act like her. Did you want a cool boyfriend named Sam who climbs through a window? Yes, I did. I wanted that. (laughs) Yes, I did. It was so cute. I think that's what I wanted the most (laughs) out of all the things that Clarissa had was a boy named Sam that climbed through my window. Uh (laughs) Anyways, so that's our list for this week. Yeah. um, We want to know when to hear from you. We want to hear, do you have any good celebrity goss what was the trashiest thing you've seen in a wedding and we also want to hear what you think about our top five sitcoms and what would be on your list because i feel like if we you missed caught a me lot. tomorrow i would have a totally different list i we didn't could... even say friends yeah i think that was i mean i did love it at the time so i can't that's yeah. the thing it's like i haven't rewatched it it doesn't really hold up for me but like mm-hmm. In the time, it was such a funny show. Yeah, I mean, I think we're going to hear a lot of different ones Yeah, from people. Um, so I'm excited to hear what you guys have to say. Um, and you can tell us what you think by either emailing us um, at theridiculouspodcast at gmail.com. Um, you can find us on Instagram at theridiculouspod. We're on TikTok um, at theridiculouspodcast. Um, and we would really love you guys if you would rate and review, subscribe, tell a friend, all of those things. We would love it if you did those things. Um, thank you guys so much for listening and thanks for following us. And don't forget to make the jump over to the ridiculous because we're no longer going to be posting. Well, if you're here, you've done it, right? You've done it. Good job. You've done it. Congratulations. Job. <laughs> you're here. All right. <laughs> thank you. You've made it. Um, and thanks for listening. And we'll see you next week on The Ridiculous. Ridiculous, ridiculous, ridiculous. You there.